My name is Lucas Weiss. I'm a staff editor of news at The Athletic. I'm also a freelance play-by-play broadcaster, and you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Process Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Neil Spruce, and I'm joined by the talented Mr. Kobe Aron, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. Did another 10K on the bike today. Wow, that's 10K more than me. Uh, are you doing like some Tour de France ride-along thing? <laughs> no, just rehabbing my, my leg. Ah, yes. The Achilles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also joining us is a third member of our crew. That makes us a triumvirate. He is currently in Ontario, as far as I'm aware. It is Mr. Justin Williams. Justin, how's it going? Oh, living the dream. I feel like Kobe's doing the uh, Tour de Paris, Ontario, is what he's doing. <laughs> so, like, the knockoff version of Tour de France. Well, you can tour around Europe if you go to said parts of southwestern Ontario, Paris, and and all these other European-sounding names. So you can do Europe on a budget. Legitimately. All right. And you can catch up on your German culture out there as well, right? Nine. Yep. So good. So good. Now, joining us is a special guest. He did some traveling recently. He went off to Vegas. So we're going to have to chat to him about that and more. It is the editor from The Athletic. And you may recognize his voice from ESPN+. Plus. It is... Mr. Lucas Wees. Lucas, how's it going? Great, fellas. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. And there's so much happening right now. The month of July, it's quite the summer. So it's good that you're on because we've got many questions to ask. Before before we get into that, let's find out more about the Lucas Wees journey because I'm sure you just didn't wake up one day and become editor at The Athletic. I'm sure there's a, a story so give our audience a little bit more behind that. If only it were so easy. I mean, I feel like uh, it would be a lot more uh, beneficial. But no, like a lot of people in sports, you guys have had a lot had on a lot of great guests who have been in sports. For me, a very unconventional path, but always loved sports growing up. Grew up in a sports family. My my mom worked in tournament operations at Tennis Canada. My dad played sports, brother played competitive sports. So grew up in a sports family, watched all the sporting events growing up, Stanley Cup final, NBA finals, the Super Bowl, Olympics, we, you name it, we were watching it growing up. And not only did I fall in love with just the sports and the games and the moments, but I really became attached to the people who presented the sports, the broadcasters, the reporters. Our family had a Sports Illustrated subscription, so I read that cover to cover growing up every time we got the magazine. So definitely grew up in a sports family. And for me, 
in, in 2018 after I left university and, and you know, was studying something completely different to sports media, studying global health and international relations at the University of Toronto. I made a bet on myself and said, you know what, I want to live out a childhood dream of wanting to uh, pursue sports media. And five years later, I'm now at The Athletic as a staff editor of news and just really enjoying the journey. So it's been a fun ride and I'm excited to be here and chatting with more of you guys. Absolutely. Now, you've definitely positioned yourself well because we're in an age where newspapers are being curtailed. I mean, it was only earlier this in July where the New York Times essentially shut down their sports department in favor of digital media like the athletics. So my question to you is this. What what is some words of advice you pass on to young folk or folks wanting to get into sports media? Well, I tell people all the time, you have to be passionate about it. You have to genuinely love storytelling. I think a lot of people get into sports and they think, oh, it's you're going to the games and you're going to get autographs and you're going to do you know, all this different stuff. And, and look, sports is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, and it is the toy department of any newsroom. You get to go experience a lot of cool things, amazing events, get to interview some really cool people. But it takes a lot of hard work. And you need to be willing to grind, to hustle, to build genuine relationships with people in sports yeah, in order to have success. <laughs> Yeah, and what I would say also is you just, I think, need to be very versatile, right? You can't just sandwich or sandbox yourself, if you will, into just one skill set. You have to be able to know how to podcast, know how to do production and video and audio editing and just a bunch of different skills to just make you more employable. So I think... If you're passionate about this industry, that's a start. You got to be energetic. You got to be enthusiastic. There's a lot of lawn nights, holidays. You're going to miss a lot of your social life if you want to really have a successful career in sports media. But I think you also need to have a Swiss Army knife, of, if you will, of skills in order to have success in this career. Nice. Okay, some words of wisdom there. Now, just one last question before I throw to Kobe. Staying with words of wisdom, you actually presented in Las Vegas when you were down there last week. You were presenting at the Associated Press, uh, I believe it was a convention of editors, if I'm not mistaken. Just give us a quick insight into how that went down. Yeah, it was the Associated Press Sports Editors Conference. So they host an annual convention bringing sports editors, writers from different outlets all across North America. This year was in Las Vegas. It was the 50th anniversary of the APSE. And yeah, I had the opportunity to moderate a panel on the rise of women's sports. And it was a great opportunity to speak with some really cool people in the industry that work in women's sports. We had Nikki Fargus, who's the president of the Las Vegas Aces. We had... Roxana Scott, who's an executive editor of USA Today. Uh, Michael Vopel covers women's sports for ESPN, mainly women's college basketball. Then we also had Meredith Perry, who manages Mass Live in, in Boston's uh, women's sports coverage. So 
you had a cross section different people in sports media, and it was just a very thought provoking com- conversation about the rise of women's sports and what needs to continue to happen in order for women's sports to get more into the mainstream in terms of sports media and and sports fans consumption. So it was great. It was a great opportunity for me to meet people. Moderating is something I feel very comfortable with. And it was also really great to to hear a lot of interesting questions from the audience related to women's sports. So definitely a a trip well spent uh, to Las Vegas. Absolutely. And there's there's a lot going on in women's sports. There's a Women's World Cup and then the WNBA's just had its all-star weekend. We've got the Canadian Open coming up. It's all happening, isn't it, Kobe? It is. It is. Lucas, are you a golfer or no? I like the theory of golf, Kobe. I wish (laughs) I was a lot better. I wish I was a lot better, but uh, play recreationally, but uh, don't play enough and and wish I uh, was a little bit better. Did you hit up Top Golf while you were in Vegas? No, unfortunately not. It was on my list to do so, but. But next time, I've seen it all on social media. It certainly looks like quite the time. Yeah, no, I just just I, I thought I'd ask because you were there. But uh, something I like to mention is that we've had quite a few different sports media people on our show, and a large percentage of them really tout the athletic. They are very impressed by what you guys do there, and they say that you basically set the standard when it comes to telling. The stories behind the stories in sports. So I just thought I'd mention that. Well, thank you. Well, to those people, thank you very much. And yeah, it's what we do every day. It's why I love working there. I, I surrounded myself with such talented writers and editors, and we are definitely committed to, to providing high quality sports journalism and thorough, compelling stories. For sure. For sure. Now, as the resident golf fanatic of our group, I got to ask you, we've had some recent success with Canadians on the PGA Tour, but do you think that they're actually getting noticed in the grand scheme of things, or do they still get slept on? It's an interesting question. I would say this year in particular, less slept on just because of the success of the Canadians in the PGA Tour. You have four Canadians who have already won tournaments this year on the tour. That, of course, being Adam Svensson, Mackenzie Hughes, Corey Connors, and most memorable of all, Nick Taylor winning on Canadian soil at the RBC Canadian Open. I think with the Canadians, though, if, if they're really going to be noticed and, and you, know, you know, launched in terms of just their popularity, even more so, I think... Winning a major championship certainly is the next step. Nick Taylor talked about that after he won the Canadian Open. Like, what's the next sort of goalpost? It, it was so long since a Canadian had won the Canadian Open on home soil on the men's side. Now that Nick Taylor finally did it, the next goal is to win a major. Obviously, Mike Weir being the lone Canadian man to win a major championship at the Masters back in 2003. We're seeing more Canadians in the mix, Kobe, uh, in majors. Of course, Corey Connors at the PGA this year was in the final group on Saturday, but they just haven't been able to close it out at the majors yet. But I feel like it's just a matter of time because there's so many 
Canadians who just seen them near the top of the leaderboard, you know, at, at all the tournaments that they play. So it's a very exciting time for Canadian golf. Do you think Golf Canada is doing enough behind getting behind them or no? I think so. Look, I mean, Golf Canada with, you know, their their junior amateur program, that's where how a lot of these Canadians came up in the ranks, certainly Mackenzie Hughes, Corey Connors mm-hmm. being chief among them. So, so there's a real pipeline there. And, and you know, Derek Ingram, who's uh, the head coach of, you know, the national team, you know, he's worked with a lot of these guys and he just sees the growth and he just sees how Golf Canada's investments have just allowed for more golfers to, to train to get that exposure early on and, and and ultimately their goal is to have, you know, 30 golfer pro golfers, men, women by 2030, you know, you know, they've made that pledge. So hopefully they, they, they continue to be on that track. But look, I think what they're doing with the Ann Murder program and building junior golf and, and developing the next generation, it, it's certainly something to be proud of. Yeah. One last question about it before I pass it to Justin. Obviously, measured by success, Brooke Henderson is our most successful golfer right. by, by a mile. But do you think the recent success of the men in the PGA Tour has sort of taken away some of the shine there? I don't think so. I still think that Brooke is she, she is the most winningest golfer, man or woman in Canada. You ask any of the men golfers, and and, and they'll say that Brooke is is the best right now in, in, in Canadian golf. I mean, you, you can't take that away from her. She's averaging. It feels like a win per season that she's playing on the LPGA Tour. She's already a two-time major champion. She won the CP Women's Open back in 2018. So I just think you have to look at Canadian golf in its totality. Brooke is doing amazing things on the LPGA Tour and, and, and certainly is currently the, the winningest golfer right now in Canada, but then you also have to look at what the men are doing and and just seeing them near the top of the leaderboard, seeing, you know, guys like Corey Connors win and, and Svensson and Hughes and of course Nick Taylor finally breaking through. I mean, you know, Nick Taylor has some quality wins. He he won at Pebble Beach. Now he has a Canadian Open beating some top level golfers to do so. So it's an exciting time for Canadian golf, and I think we're going to see more success in the years to come. Right on. Right. So I have a couple questions that are kind of a little off topic, but also not really. How come <laughs> in the NBA, it's the NBA Finals, but in the NHL, it's just the NHL Final? What? Why is it like that? <laughs> I come on this podcast, and these are the type of questions I get. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, wow. Uh you tell me, Justin. I mean, that's. I mean, I, I guess history. It's always been that case. Uh, it's kind of odd. Trust me, as someone who you know writes news headlines and has to edit copy, you would think it'd be consistent across the board, right? But uh, the NBA is just its own thing, and the NHL is just its own thing, and we just gotta live with it. Because my friends in, in uh, have a major in English, like a master's, they had an argument over it. They're like, no, it can't be the NBA finals. It's just the NBA final. That's it. Like, it's not, it doesn't make sense. So it's like, why, why is the S there? 
And I was like, I, I, I don't know. I'll ask an editor. And like, please ask somebody like what it is. So now I know why I came on the podcast to answer that important question. I see. I see. Okay. It's, it's not just because I work for the athletic. It's just, you know, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. You have a job with, with grammar being. Yeah. The number one priority for me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, the funny thing is, I mean, like, I'm trying to think, like, other, like, you know, world championships. Well, why isn't it just the world championship, right? Like, like, you know, it's like, it, it, it's interesting. You know, it's, you know, the English language, it's uh, a complicated beast. I'll oh, say, I'll jump in. I'll, I'll interject as the international observer of okay. this conversation. Mm-hmm. One has American roots, naturally being the NBA and they they like to do bigger and better, uh, bigger and allegedly better. So, plans plural finals, and the other one has relatively Canadian roots. Lord Stanley was a governor general, Canadian, mm-hmm. British, and when you look at the football finals, it's FA Cup final, it's the Champions League final. Uh, I feel like it, there's some sort of branching off that. Yeah, it's not like the the World Cup finals, just the World Cup final, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I would prefer the singular. You know, if it were if we're up to me, if I was creating the AP style guide, <laughs> CP style guide, consulting the NHL, NBA, let's just leave it singular. It's one <laughs> series, but that's not that, that that's above my pay grade. Here at Pro Sports Podcasters, we ask the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> clearly. Yeah, clearly. Anyways, moving forward. Are you a, a CFL guy per chance? A little bit. I, you know, not, that's a not no. as much. That, that's a no. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah, a no. That, you know, you know, I'll, watch, I'll watch the playoffs. I'll watch the Grey Cup. The I remember growing up, Damon Allen. Dave Dickinson, Pinball Clemens, Anthony Calvillo, G. Roy Simon. I mean, like, You're I know really some digging. names. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, not uh, not the biggest CFL guy now. Do you know who won the Grey Cup last year? Of course, the Argonauts. Oh, there you I go. Okay, the nice. I watched okay. the game. I watched the game. Okay. I keep up with it. I keep up with it. But, you know... I feel like you, you, you know, you had Sarah said on your podcast, and she's a huge NFL, you know, personality and, and someone who's doing great work. I mean, so like, there's people that are, you know, just just know more. I mean, for me, I I know a lot, but I mean, CFL, I, I uh, follow a little bit. Okay, that's fair because I was, was going to ask you if you think the Argos is going to repeat, currently being four and zero and dominating the Hamilton Tiger Cats as we speak. Personally, I think so, but that's only because they made great moves in the off season. So. Tiger Cats don't have a quarterback right now. Tiger Cats don't have anything. Never have, never will. <laughs> that's that's just my fandom coming forward. But <laughs> moving forward, shall we say? So, question for you there, Lucas. Did you happen to see what the French national team did for to kind of hype up the Women's World Cup? Did you see the commercial for that? Yes, I did. I did. On a scale of one to ten, how amazing was it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was a ten eleven. Like it was, it, it, you know, European ads. I'll just say this: like they are next level. As someone that lived in Europe for three months a few years ago and watching European TV, like the ads are just on another stratosphere compared to 
North America. So, you know, the production value was great and the message got across. So it was uh, certainly caught my attention. I think it caught a lot of people's attention here uh, in North America leading into the Women's World Cup. It totally did. Now that kind of beckons my next question for you. Sign up to SoRare, the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform. Scout, collect, and trade officially licensed digital player cards with other fans in our open marketplace. Yes, SoRare is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a a dynasty spin on fantasy. It's available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. So what are you waiting for? Get involved. Get in the game. Get some cards and have some fun. Oh, did I tell you it's free, by the way? Yes. All you have to do is sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because Process Podcasters, we know our thing. But so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. Do you feel like more Canadian or just I sense you just women kind of sports and self should take note of that and be like, listen, we do great things too. Look at this commercial. Do you think they should kind of almost emulate that commercial or like piggyback off that? Or what do you think they should just do to kind of attract more eyes in terms of the average fan? Yeah, I mean, I think, with you know, with, with women's sports, the big thing, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out ways to create compelling content. And if it's commercials, if it's web series, I mean, I, I know that, you know, TSN was doing, you know, a cool – Bardown was doing a cool thing where they were interviewing some of the women's players, like asking – you know, cool questions, gain, you know, fans to know a little bit more about who is on the women's team competing the Women's World Cup. So I just think anything to just bring more attention and, you know, it doesn't need to be necessarily commercials because I think sometimes not, every, not everyone's watching linear TV these days, but it could be, you know, TikTok, it could be a web series, it could be YouTube, just fun things to like bring, you know, more attention to, to women's sports and, more compelling content certainly drives eyeballs to to the sport. So I think, yeah, any innovation that brings more people to, to women's sports, I'm all for. Exactly. That's kind of how we feel too. Quick question before I pass you off to Nee one more time. With the WNBA, they sold out here in, in Toronto. Yep. Do you feel like it's only a matter of time now until Toronto kind of steps up to the WNBA plate, if you will? I believe so. So I covered that WNBA Canada preseason game for the Athletic, and it was just really fascinating to, to chat with not only you know the players on the Minnesota Lynx and the Chicago Sky who were coming to Toronto, but also the coaches, former Canadian national players, and just to sort of see, I mean, what it, what the WNBA was like back when it first began in the in the mid 1990s and even the 2000s it was just a lot smaller scale and now it's just so much bigger just in the number of teams the coverage of the WNBA and and also just the audience is growing so look WNBA commissioner Kathy Engelbert 
She's certainly interested in expansion. Toronto is one of those cities that she's looking for. And I can't remember going to a sporting event and covering a sporting event that had just that much raw, authentic energy for a preseason game, right? This was a game that had no impact on the standings, but the fans in Toronto showed out. They came to Scotiabank Arena, energetic, electric, to watch the WNBA. And I really noticed as well the amount of young people that were in attendance in that game. So I know it's just one game, but I think it definitely was a litmus test for what a WNBA Toronto franchise could be. We certainly see how passionate basketball fans are with the Toronto Raptors and Canada basketball. And I just think if a WNBA team came to Toronto, it will get a lot of hype and buzz around it. So I feel like it's just a matter of time and hopefully uh, it happens soon. I agree, and I cannot wait. Yeah, Lucas, just staying with basketball, you were in Vegas, and the NBA Summer League was on. So I have to ask, did you take in any of that, and did you just happen to see what was going on with the Raptors while Summer League was happening? I unfortunately wasn't at any of the games, but what I I will say is just being in Vegas for Summer League, like it just feels like a mini season onto its own. And you, you speak with people, both locals of Vegas and just people in sports who are there. They've just commented how massive Summer League is now. So many stars come to the summer league to to watch these games. Obviously, business happens on the sidelines. You have agents, executives talking, etc. But there's just a lot more buzz now. And probably because this year it was Victor Wembanyama at summer league, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. But it just feels a lot bigger now. And, and look, I think Vegas is certainly, we were just talking about expansion to Toronto and the WNBA. Vegas certainly being one of those cities that the NBA is looking closely to expand to. So I just think that's also a matter of time before we get an NBA franchise, just given how successful Summer League has been and just in terms of the energy bringing people to Vegas to watch basketball. So it was, it, it, you know, it was just quite a vibe just around the city. Did, didn't get quite to the, to the arena to watch any of the games and, and, and certainly not the Raptors, but it was uh, quite the vibe around Sin City, that's for sure. Fair enough. And just with the Raptors, what's your vibe with them? They got a new coach. They've got, okay, I'll say it. They, they, they got a big dick now. Um, yeah, Kobe, stop laughing. <laughs> and they kind of have a hole at point guard. So, what's the general vibe in, with, uh, as you see it with the Raptors going forward? Yeah, it's certainly a transitional time for the Raptors when you lose someone like a Fred Van Vliet who won a championship with the Raptors, was an integral part of the culture of the Raptors, it's a big hole. And I think when they lose Fred Van Vliet, the questions then start to swirl about Pascal Siakam, right? Are the Raptors going to shop Siakam, just given the fact that Van Vliet just left? So 
That remains to be seen. Do they keep Siakam? Do they shop him before the season starts? But I just think it's just a different team. It, it Certainly now with a new coach, Darko Ryakovic, Sky Barnes being now more of a central figure on this Raptors team. They're certainly trending younger. I like the move to keep Jakob Pertl. I think it certainly provides an interior presence and having someone experienced on the roster like a Pertl inside will help. But I think the same problems lie with this team is where are they going to generate offense, right? That's been the problem with this team the last couple of seasons. And what's their bench going to look like? Right, I mean, their bench depth has certainly played. It's been a real problem the last few seasons. So, I think with the Raptors, it, 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 I think you're going to need to be patient. And I just think, it, it, to me, I go back to with this front office. You know, obviously, you like to keep these guys like a Fred Van Vliet and whatnot. But if you knew or, or had an inkling that they were going to walk away and, and, and get that big payday, why didn't you then just trade them at the trade deadline, right? And, and and try to get some pieces in return that could make that could put you in a better spot than when you are right now. So it's gonna be fascinating with Toronto. I mean certainly, you know, new coach, new vision, new vibes around the team. But look, if they shot Siakam, someone who's been one of their top offensive producers, that's going to be a tough... I mean, how do you then replace that offense? So it's going to be fascinating, but I don't think this is a team that, you know, as currently constructed, they could compete for a championship or even be one of the top teams in the East. Indeed. Maybe they could compete for the in-season championship, the NBA Cup. Yeah, that's... (laughs) The in-season tournament, that's going to be fascinating to see what uh, how that shakes out. Indeed. And that, that bell is telling me that uh, it's Kobe's turn. So, Kobe, what, what's shaking? Actually, I want to throw it to Justin. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that bell is going to be ringing for a little longer. Kobe uh, had an injury, so he decided to get crafty and fix things around his house. Now it just interferes with all of our podcast episodes because it goes off once an hour. He I said he was going to fix out. it. It gets edited out. It's he not had, a problem. He, he makes work for himself. <laughs> Anyways, Kobe, would you like your turn back? I would. I would. Indeed. Thank you. I'm going to pass it back to the clock man. Now, Lucas, you were in Vegas during Wimbledon, correct? Briefly, yeah. I was there... For a few days during Wimbledon, yep. You were there for the final? No, I, I I was back home. Okay. So, first of all, in regards to Alcaraz's victory over Djokovic, who was probably heavily favored by most to take that title, considering he was after the all-time championship wins at Wimbledon, beat Federer's record. Does this spell the beginning of the end for Djokovic? I don't think so. At this current stage, I think Djokovic played a really good match. Like, it was a match that was essentially a coin flip in the fifth set. I think at one point they were tied in points 155, 155. So you can't get any closer than that. I think Djokovic was in that final game where Alcaraz is serving for the title. It's 30 all. 
that could easily swing Djokovic's way. And like many times before, Djokovic breaks and keeps the match alive and comes back and wins. So Djokovic is going to be motivated by this. And he, he definitely wants to finish his career first among his men counterparts in men's single slam styles. He wants to be the best. And he probably will be by the end when it's all said and done. He'll, he'll have the most slams and, and, and that will, will be his. So I just don't see him slowing down. I, I think Alcaraz, the fact that there is a legitimate challenger now to Novak, that motivates him to keep playing. As Djokovic said after the Wimbledon final, like he's looking forward to maybe facing Alcaraz in New York at the U.S. Open. So we might get this sort of mini rivalry towards the end of Djokovic's career with Alcaraz, which will be a real treat for men's tennis fans. Yeah, it feels kind of like Federer and Nadal. feels very similar to that. Now, are, are you a fan of tennis? Oh, absolutely. Love tennis. So who is your favorite tennis player of all time? Oh, you know, so I grew up, obviously, pretty blessed to grow up in the the golden era, I would say, with the big three, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Serena, Williams on the women's side. I mean, I would say Rafa, probably. Like, he, he was someone growing up that I, like, I just love the fighting spirit. I love the fact that he doesn't, never gives up on a point. He fights every match to the end. It's just, it's not as graceful like Roger Federer played tennis, I always called Federer sort of like a ballerina on the court, a maestro on the court. Rafa, I felt like every point was a struggle. But there was something admirable about that. And and even Rafa probably had the worst injury history of the big three, just in terms of time away from the game due to injuries. But he always bounced back. He always found a way to bounce back and prove people wrong and, and, and still win titles. And And for a guy that was early in his career labeled just a clay court player for him to have so much, so much success on the other services just speaks a lot to his talent and his work ethic. So probably Rafa, but like I'm splitting hairs here. I, I have respect for all of them. And, and it was just a, such a pleasure to watch all of them during their prime and, and really elevate the game of tennis. Okay. Now the reason I ask is this. So as that match was being played, I was actually bartending at a fundraiser north of the city here in Toronto. We're in Eastern Standard Time, so it was, it was relatively early in the day. And things were quite tame, but as soon as Alcaraz won, the party started. People were celebrating the fact that Djokovic lost. He is not very well liked by a lot of tennis fans. Yep. So do you think tennis would be better off without Djokovic at this point? Not not at all. Not at all. I mean, tennis needs a guy like Djokovic. I mean, I think that's what adds to the drama, I think, a little bit, is that you have, you know, certainly the Serbian fans are very loyal and very passionate to Djokovic. So let's, you know, set that straight. But you need someone that's a little bit of a villain. And, and you're starting to see that a bit with Djokovic. Like you saw that a bit in, in Wimbledon where he he kind of said, like, yeah, after one of his matches that, you know, I'm still the guy, right? Like, I'm still the guy that can, even though there are these young guys coming, trying to challenge Novak, trying to 
kick him off the cliff, you know, atop the mountain, he's still winning. He's still having this longevity and having success. So, look, sport in general, at least in my opinion, you want to see greatness. You want to see, you know, the Golden State Warriors dominate like they did in the late 2010s or the New England Patriots because... I think when they lose, it adds more theater to what you're watching because, wow, someone actually beat that team that dominates. Someone actually beat Djokovic, even though it was so shocking, right? Like that Alcaraz could beat Djokovic on a court where Djokovic hadn't lost in 10 years. That adds drama and theater, which makes tennis exciting. Right on. So we have the National Bank Open coming up. And... Due to the change in rules, you now have a very stacked field coming to Canada. But there's always that situation where some players kind of take a tournament off if it's not one that's considered too important. Who do you think shows up and really plays at the National Bank Open? I don't have a crystal ball, Kobe. So you're seriously <laughs> you're asking the wrong guy. I mean, right now, the player list, all I can say is this, the player list is out. All the top guys are scheduled to come. I think what I'll say is because this isn't an Olympic year, Mm -hmm. I think you're more likely to get more top guys coming because it's an ATP Masters 1000. Okay. So in that case, we're expected to get Carlos Alcaraz, his first time in Toronto. We're expected to get Novak Djokovic, first time in Toronto for many years so fingers crossed that's the case because i think tennis fans are going to be in for quite the week yeah it could be awesome indeed it will be but i think the bigger question is will it be the final or the finals i don't know with these with these grammar <laughs> rules I'm i call the championship match how about that championship matches <laughs> yeah. champions matches i don't know <laughs> the confusion will forever live because english is weird Anyways, moving forward, um, before we get you out of here, I'm kind of going to be the closer of this interview today. Um, have you ever had a poutine before, good sir? I have. And what is your poutine of choice? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm blanking out here. Smokes? Is that a place? Uh, it Smokes is, yeah. Poutinery. Smokes poutinery. I'm, yeah. I'm going to sound like... I mean, I'm not, I'm not the biggest poutine guy, so. That's fair. Um, but uh, smokes I've had before. So do you go for the standard classic or do you uh, spice it standard up? Standard classic, yeah. Good one. Good one. I like pulled pork. Kobe likes uh, bacon on his and Nia's Australian. Australian. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the, way, the way you guys say Australian, it, it's almost like you've already built in the fact that Australia might beat Canada in the Women's World Cup and you guys are like pissed off already. Well, I mean, listen, when it comes to whatever you tell me, I always sound, I always think it's more important just because you have an accent. Even though it could be the simplest thing, like <laughs> don't forget to pay your taxes, but just your, your accent makes it sound more crucial than what it is. I don't know. <laughs> Something about that. Next question for you there. Have you ever had a beaver tail? I have not. Oh. Oh, I feel like you I need to have one. I think so. I think uh, next time I come on the pod, hopefully I get invited back on. But if I do, I'll have the beaver tail then let you know. 
Yeah, please do, because it is a staple of Canadian Canadianness. And if you don't have it by the time you get back, you need to revoke your Canadian card. Yeah, like I, I might have to go to the U.S. Hold yeah, on, you're local to us, right? That's... Yeah, I'm from Toronto, yep. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go, man. We'll just get together. Right. Oh, 100%. Do you drink? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Toby. What, wow. What, these, these questions, man. <laughs> I do everyone, drink water, right? I, well, I drink well, water, so. It, like, <laughs> it's so aggressive. <laughs> do you drink? Do you? You better. Wait, you want me to beat around the bush? I'll just ask, right? <laughs> so aggressively, you might start to beat around the bush. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Anyways. Before we let you go, where can our friends and family find you on social media? <laughs> yeah, they can find me at We Sports on Twitter, at W-E-E-S-E Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, wherever you can find me. I'll be uh, providing content on sports for, for all the sports fans out there. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I'll have to give you a follow. Well then, sir, uh, I do feel like that is all for the interview today, unless anyone has any last-second questions, but I think we're... Well, we also need a bold prediction from Lucas for 2023. Could be anything, Lucas. Could be where Otani is going to end up. Could be anything Ugh. sports or anything you want. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say the Toronto Blue Jays, they're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to surprise some people. As much as this season has been at times tough to watch, I think once they get in the playoffs, anything's possible, and I think this team could go far. Right on. So that's, so that's, that's, that's my prediction. There we go. I mean, they technically surprised us last season in the playoffs. So <laughs> they, let's, let's hope for the city's sake that they, they flip the script this time. I agree. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. Where no sport is left behind.